kindness of the Savior, the hope of nations. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, heroes and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. So take me as you find me, all my fears and failures. Fill my life again. I give my life to follow everything I believe in. Now I surrender. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever, author of salvation, heroes and conquered the grave, Jesus conquered the grave, shine your light and let the whole world see, we're singing for the glory of the risen King, Jesus Shine your light and let the whole world see. We're singing for the glory of the risen King. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation, heroes and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Savior, He can move the mountains. My God is mighty to save. He is mighty to save forever. Author of salvation. Heroes and conquered the grave. Jesus conquered the grave. Salvation belongs to our God who sits upon the throne and unto
This is my desire to honor you, Lord, with all my heart, I worship you. I'm John Collier. I'd like to welcome you to Preston Crest this morning. So glad you've chosen to worship with us. Visitors, we are especially thankful that you are here. And we'd love it if you would take one of the cards in the pew there and using the camera on your phone, scan the QR code and fill out the information there on your phone. And that way we'll have a record of your attendance. And actually, if you're a first-time visitor, we have a special gift for you. You can physically fill out that card. And after services, take it back to the information center in the lobby. And we have a really cool little gift to give you. And members, if you would remember to check in at this time in your usual method using the uh, number there that's on your screen right now. I have three quick reminders for us this morning. First of all, as you can tell by the beautiful booth in the lobby back there, it's time for VBS. It's getting very close. And so if you'd like to sign up your child to attend VBS, you can go to the booth after services and sign up. And also, they are still looking for volunteers. So whether you are a, a great teacher or a great line leader, or maybe just a great food organizer, snack organizer. They'd love to have you. So you can go back to the booth over there as well and, and volunteer your services for that. And secondly, next Sunday is the fifth Sunday of the month. And so as we do on every fifth Sunday of each month, uh, we're going to have a special world, world care contribution. So if you could come prepared for that. The works next week are going to be going toward mainly the Guatemala mission trip that our church has been supporting for 22 years. And then there's also a couple of other ministries we'll be supporting. You can read about those in your bulletin. So come prepared next week for World Care. And then finally, for our visitors, if you'd like to learn more about Preston Crest, next Sunday, right after first service, before second service, so essentially during class time, we have what we call PC 101, which is a great way for you to learn about our church, learn what we do, what we believe in, and get to know some of us a little bit better. If you'd like to place membership, we'd love to invite you next Sunday at 1045 to PC 101. As we continue into our service this morning, I'd like to read from Psalms 118, verses 15 and 16. 
Shouts of joy and victory resound in the tents of the righteous. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. The Lord's right hand is lifted high. The Lord's right hand has done mighty things. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for being in our midst this morning as we worship you and as we praise you. I thank you for the gift of your son. And Father, I am so thankful that the stone was rolled away and that the tomb was empty and that because of this miracle, we have your gift of our redemption once and for all time. And through this sacrifice of Jesus Christ, the hope of a salvation, the hope of an eternity spent with you. Father, I pray for those within our family here at Preston Crest that specifically need you right now, for your protection, your healing, your comfort from various health issues and other current struggles that they may be going through, Father. I humbly ask that you provide your overwhelming peace so that we can always feel your presence and know that you are with us. And Father, may all that we do, individually and as a congregation, be in your name and for your glory. And I pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, John. Well, church, let's stand and let's sing this morning. I stand to praise you, but I
Sunday nights uh, here, we sing songs that, uh, some are older songs, but uh, I, always, I, I will share sometimes, and you will share too sometimes, but uh, where those songs take you. Sometimes it takes you back to your childhood. Sometimes it takes you back to a happy memory. This song right here, once I heard what one of my friends said, it's not holy at all. He said, when I, grew, when I was growing up, he said, I thought they were saying he punched me to victory. <laughs> now we're going to bring it back to the Lord. <laughs> As we enter into our time of communion this morning, we're going to sing one more song, and I love this song too. And this song may take you to a campfire. This may take you to your childhood, your youth group. It's a good, powerful song that just paints a, an image in your mind. After we sing this, Matt Kimball's going to lead us around our communion time. How do you 
Good morning, church. It's good that we are here this morning and gathered around this table. <clears throat> what makes a gift special? What makes it valuable to us? Is it something that we've longed for for a long time or asked Santa for at Christmas time? Is it the value of the gift itself? Is it the person that's giving the gift? Think about the greatest gift that you've ever received. Who did it come from? When was it given? Why was it given? For me, it would be this wedding ring. The gift between two spouses. A gift of devotion and commitment to one another. Yes, there's value in, in the ring. We joke in my family that my wife's wedding ring is comprised of many, many salmon that I picked in the summer to pay for it. It's given in a time of joyousness. It's given in a time of commitment. I dare not say that I went to a garden by myself the night before in anguish or prayed to God to release the burden from me before I gave that gift. It's something holy to us something we treasure. But still, that as amazing as that gift is, it's nothing, it is nothing compared to the gift that our Father and His Son gave to us. One that was given <clears throat> in a moment of chaos, in anger, one that was given when people were trying to destroy the Son of God but it was still given freely, given lovingly. Whether we receive it or not, it's there for us. It will never tarnish. It will never lose its value because it is priceless. And it is something that gives us that hope of eternal life, even though we don't deserve it. Bow with me, please. Dear Heavenly Father, we 
come to you this morning and we are so thankful that while we are unworthy, you chose to give us the gift of your son as a mark of a new covenant, as your love and our hope of salvation. We thank you that you raised him from the dead. We thank you for forgiving us of our sins. We ask that you bless this bread, which represents his broken body that you made whole and made pure. And that we might take it in a manner that is pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, again, we, we thank you for this gift, and we hope that we share it with as much excitement and enthusiasm with those around us as we do the material gifts of this world, that we share the, your love for us, your son's love for us, that we share that sacrifice, more importantly, the hope of eternal life with those around us. Bless this cup that represents his blood that washes us clean of our sins. In Jesus' name, amen.
So a couple of different ways that you can give an offering this morning. You can drop it in the box in the, the center of our foyer. Or you can give online. A couple of options there uh, to give online through church teams or actually through the website. We are going to be having a World Care offering next week. want to remind you of that. Lots of different efforts being aided with that, not the least of which is our Guatemala mission. Each year, except for the past two years, we have taken a team of doctors and dentists and nurses and civilians to do the Lord's work, to be hands and feet of Jesus. But you know what? It's not all about what is seen outwardly. Some of you are involved in ministry that is so behind the scenes. It is amazing. We have people showing up here early to this building just to make sure the air conditioning is turned on, to make sure we have communion cups set out, to make sure our baptistry is in good shape, to make sure trash is picked up. And you're doing the Lord's work in your neighborhood, in your area. Maybe you're encountering people at the checkout counter and just sharing a little bit of Jesus with them. So much goes on behind the scenes. We're thankful for that. Thank you for being a generous church. Let's bow. Father God, we're thankful that you have blessed us so abundantly. And so now we give. Father, I pray for what is given today, what is an offering to you. Bless it. Bless your work here through us. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Good morning, church. My name is Brian Kraft, and I'm a deacon, and I lead the baptistry ministry here at Preston Crest. In Mark 16, 16, Jesus exclaims that whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. These eight simple words provide a roadmap on how to eternally walk with Jesus. I believe our baptistry team models this directive from Christ. The words spoken in Mark 16, 16 provide continued motivation for my fellow team members as we perform our duties throughout the year. The work provided by our team includes assisting our new brothers and sisters in Christ during the actual act of baptism, ensuring that they have their first Bible, and coordinating their first communion with the leadership of this church. Your support provides our team with the ability to maintain and upgrade our various needs throughout the year. Thank you, Preston Crest, for your generosity. Yeah, all right, so let's, uh, let's stand. We're going to send kids on up to Children's Church. And we're going to sing Glory to God Forever before Gordon comes to share with us this morning. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God forever. Glory to God, glory to God, glory to God forever.
good seeing that video and just being reminded of of the work that goes into just keeping everything uh, going with our baptistry. We've had had three baptisms already this weekend and there's still time. There's still time. If that's something you're thinking about, this would be a great day to do. By the way, I was here last night uh, for a baptism at six o'clock and just noticed uh, tons of baptismal gowns. We've got towels. We got everything we need, everything you need to make a decision today to do that. So if you've been putting that off, why not get that done today? Does God heal people? Does God answer prayers for healing? How does God heal people? And why does he heal some but not others? These are questions that are obviously for us about a lot more than theory or theology. These are very personal questions that many of us have wrestled with because we live in a fallen world where people get sick. And at some point people die. And so we yearn for an end to this and we yearn in very special personal circumstances for God to heal this person who we love, for God to restore their health. We live in a world of acute, sudden illness, chronic illness, terminal diagnoses, mental illness, lifelong disability or long-term disability. We live in a world where there are cancer diagnoses. I mean, we live in a world full of suffering and physical pain, and so All of us, I think, yearn for healing in this world. And so this morning, to kind of help us answer some of the questions we have about illness and healing and God's role, we're going to look at a particular individual that lived a long time ago, 2,600 years ago. A king of Judah named Hezekiah dealt with these very questions that we are wrestling with. So let's go to 2 Kings chapter 20. In those days, so 600 B.C., more or less, in those days, Hezekiah became sick and was at the point of death. 
Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die. You shall not recover. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, saying, Now, O Lord, please remember how I have walked before you in faithfulness and with a whole heart, and I have done what is good in your sight. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Before Isaiah had gone out of the middle court, This is at the palace there in Jerusalem. Before Isaiah had gone out from the middle court, the Lord came to him. Turn back and say to Hezekiah, the leader of my people, Thus says the Lord, the God of David, your father, I have heard your prayer. And I have seen your tears. Behold, I will heal you. On the third day you shall go up to the house of the Lord, and I will add 15 years to your life. I will deliver you and this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city for my own sake and for my servant David's sake. And Isaiah said, bring a cake of figs. Let them take and lay it on the boil that he may recover. So this guy is sick. He's so sick that the end is near. He's told to get his affairs in order. Make sure that will is up to date. Make sure succession plans are in order because you're, you're about to go. And he has a very human reaction, a very understandable reaction, a reaction I suppose some of us in this room have had before. He is stunned and saddened, and he begins to weep bitterly at this prognosis. At this time, the people of God are divided into two kingdoms. There's a northern kingdom, ten tribes, known as Israel. Israel and Samaria up north. Southern kingdom, Judah, Benjamin. Hezekiah reigns in Jerusalem. He is the king of the southern kingdom. And he was a really good king. A good man. A good leader. Don't take my word for it. 2 Kings 18, verse 5, he, Hezekiah, he trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel, so that there was none like him among all the kings of Judah after him, nor among those who were before him. A good man, a godly man. Hezekiah, his name means strength from God. His reign would be nearly 30 years, so a very important and long reign there in the southern kingdom. Hezekiah, among other noble and good things, he had rooted idolatry out of the land, torn out the idols, destroyed the high places and shrines, and he, along with his friend, his partner Isaiah, had called God's people back to God, back to the worship of Yahweh. And he's got two battles, the two great battles of his life. They happen to be occurring at the same time. One is this health battle, desperate, dire. The other is a battle against Sennacherib, the king of the Assyrian. Probably, well, historians, some say the first empire the world ever knew, the Assyrian Empire. 
Sennacherib is running things there. It's an empire that extends from Iran all the way to Egypt. And his sights now, Sennacherib's sights are on this tiny kingdom, Judah. Sennacherib has conquered Israel to the north. Knocked out Samaria, Israel has knocked out like dominoes, a series of fortified cities around Judah. And now he is encircling Jerusalem. It's getting very close to home for Hezekiah. Earlier, Hezekiah had personally provoked the Assyrians by saying, we will not surrender. And then as events on the ground shaped in a certain way and headed a certain direction, he began to try to negotiate a peace with Sennacherib, offering him gold and silver and all sorts of things. Ultimately, surrounded by the vast army of Assyria, he decided, no, we will not surrender. And he did what he, Hezekiah, always did in the face of a challenge. He went to the temple and began to pray to God. And we saw in the story already with respect to this other prayer about his illness, God heard his prayer. He hears our prayers. God saw his tears. I don't know about you. I feel something with that. To know that my God hears me and sees me means a lot to me. We'll get to his prayer for deliverance of his physical illness in a minute. But let's talk about his other prayer, the prayer for the deliverance of the capital city, Jerusalem. He is outgunned. He is outnumbered. And his prayer for a miracle for the deliverance of Jerusalem from this massive Assyrian army, that prayer was answered. And it's interesting, this prayer from 2,600 years ago, we have documentation in the Bible that it was answered, and we have documentation from the Assyrian royal archives. You could go to the British Museum in London, and you can see evidence of the answer of this particular prayer. The biblical archive says this plague affected the Assyrian army in the middle of the night. And there was so much loss of life. There was so much misery that they turned tail and went home. Jerusalem had been surrounded but had not fallen. The Assyrian archive... It's called the Taylor Prism. A British army colonel in 1860 found this cuneiform, Akkadian cuneiform prism in Nineveh. And you can see it today. Here's what, here's what Sennacherib says about Hezekiah and Jerusalem. He says, as for the king of Judah, Hezekiah, who had not submitted to my authority, I besieged it and captured 46 of his fortified cities along with many smaller towns taken in battle with my battering rams. I took us plunder over 200,000 people, both small and great, male, female, along with a great number of animals, including horses, mules, donkeys, camels, oxen, sheep. As for Hezekiah, this is where things get interesting. As for Hezekiah, I shut him up like a caged bird in his royal city of Jerusalem, I then constructed a series of fortresses around him, and I did not allow anyone to come out of the city gates. His towns, which I captured, I gave to the kings of Ashdod, or Ash, yeah, Ashdod, Ekron, and Gaza, Philistine kings. If you listen 
to what is written in the Assyrian royal archives. It's a very flowery way of saying, yeah, didn't get it done at Jerusalem. Did not conquer that city. I encircled it. I besieged it. I had him trapped like a bird in a cage. But Jerusalem never fell to Sennacherib. Both the Bible and the Assyrian archive agree to this. You have evidence, historical evidence, of this miracle, this answer to prayer. So his prayer was answered. Jerusalem was spared. Now back to chapter 20 and his prayer for physical healing because that was going on at roughly the same time, his sickness, very sick, time was short. A prophetic word from his friend, his partner Isaiah, delivered to him, lets him know, this is it. You're not, you're not going to make it. Get your family and your friends close. The end is here. And before we get into the questions we have about God answering prayers for healing. How does God do it? Why do some get healed, others don't? I want to just point something out that's very obvious at this point. We have this good and godly man who is suffering, who is in agony. I would just point out, good people suffer sometimes. You know that. I know that. If you ever hear this line that, hey, godly and righteous people, it's prosperity and a problem-free life, baloney. (laughs) The Bible knocks that down left and right. In fact, sometimes the people of God suffer because they are the people of God. Because they're doing right. Here's Hezekiah. We're told he's the best. This guy was an exemplary king. And he's suffering And he's dying. When he gets the news that he's about to die, he cries out to God. He prays for healing. He says, change this diagnosis. And and Isaiah, this prophet, who's just delivered the bad news and is, is on his way out of the temple courts, has to turn around. God says, no, go back. He just prayed. I heard his prayer. I'm gonna let him live. And so Isaiah heads back into the presence of the king and says, your prayer has been heard. You're gonna live another 50. 15 years. And so we've acknowledged that suffering and struggle are part of the lives of believers. And we also see here in this, I don't know how to put this exactly, but we all have an expiration date. God hears his prayer, God heals him, God restores his health and said, You got 15 years, buddy. And I don't know how many years you got. I don't know how many years I've got. We were not made to live here in this fallen world with these fallen bodies forever. Amen? And that's a good thing. It's just good to be reminded of it. So from the text we see, yes, God hears our prayers. He sees our tears. And God responds to those. So why does he answer some of them in one way, others in another way? And how does God heal? So let's key in on that final question, which will, I think, lead to answers to the other questions. How does God heal? Well, one way that he heals, and we think about this when we pray. We want this when we pray. Sometimes God heals miraculously, on the spot, instantaneous. I've seen God answer prayers like this. 
It's amazing, his power on full display. And that's what we want when we pray, isn't it? We have a loved one who's, who's struggling, who's in the hospital, who's dying, and we pray and, and we ask God, come to the rescue right here, right now. Change this situation. And Hezekiah prayed, his health was restored. We have an example of that right here. In the scriptures, there are plenty of people who experienced all sorts of diseases and physical disabilities, some of them from birth. And Jesus shows up and heals them. His team, his apostles, in his name, same thing, healed in his name. The lame were walking. The blind were seeing People with skin disorders had that clear up in a heartbeat. I mean, it was incredible what happened in Jesus' name. And some of us, by the way, some of us in this room today have experienced this. I could tell stories. We could tell stories. Uh, Maybe we should do that sometime of how God answered these prayers in dramatic ways, but he does that. And I know our shepherds at Preston Crest have such hearts for God and for this flock. The number one thing they do when they gather together on Monday nights is pray for you. Not all about sickness and situations like this, all sorts of situations, but dozens of names will be brought before the throne of God tomorrow night by the shepherds of this church, many of them prayers for healing, prayers for deliverance, because they believe that our God is Yahweh Rophe, the the Lord who heals. And so they cry out to God on our behalf. So sudden and instantaneous healing, here's the thing. It's only one kind of healing. God is behind all healing. He is the Lord who heals, Yahweh Rophe. But that's one kind. There are other kinds. But being faithful to God, trusting in the Lord, means that we allow him in his wisdom, in his power, to handle the situation in the way and in the timing he chooses to handle it. We're not calling the shots We are servants of God. We are disciples of Christ. We trust him to handle the situation in his way. And that means sometimes immediate, dramatic, sudden healing. Sometimes God uses the medical science of the day to bring healing. Did you know that? That's in Scripture. Sometimes God uses medical technology that's available at a particular time to bring healing. Nothing wrong at all with asking God to bless a surgeon who's going to perform a certain procedure. Nothing wrong at all praying that the chemotherapy will be very effective and that cancer will go into remission. Nothing wrong with praying that because God at times uses medical science as his tool for deliverance. His God-ordained way of dealing with a disease struggle. We see that even... As this footnote at the end of Hezekiah's story, we see it in his situation. Isaiah is told to go back in, announce, God heard your prayer, you're going to be healed, you get 15 more years of life, and by the way, call your servants, call your team, these are probably the court physicians, get them in here and have them make a medical ointment and apply it to this wound that's become this out of control infection, and in three days you're going to be in the temple praising God because you're healed. 
2 Kings 20, verse 7. Isaiah said, Hey, make, make an ointment from figs. So Hezekiah's servants spread the ointment over the, the boil, over the wound, and Hezekiah recovered. Now, you're probably not going to find a fig ointment at CVS. Uh, things have advanced a little bit, but, but at that time, that was cutting-edge technology. Those homeopathic remedies were very common in that day. But God is the creator God. We believe he made everything in the world. He put all of the raw materials in the world that he made. Things like penicillin, right? He built all of this into the world so that we can manipulate the things that he's put into the world and make incredibly powerful medicines and therapeutics. In that day, an ointment made out of figs was what was used. Why was it used? Why was it used? Because God said, use it. It was part of the healing of this leader of God's people. And it was effective, not because there was anything uh, special aside from God's power at work. And that is the way he chose to heal this man. In the New Testament, we've got a couple of major books, Luke and Acts, written by this medical doctor, Luke. Uh, we've got all medical science showing up in the New Testament as well. Even in the age when Jesus and his apostles could heal, could raise people from the dead, you see medical science not only showing up, but being prescribed. Like Timothy had some sort of chronic intestinal issues. Paul's answer was, hey, Timothy, why don't you take a little wine for your stomach? Again, common remedy of the day. You see, even in the healings of Jesus, he would take a blind person. At one time, he would say, you're healed. They could see. Another time, he used saliva, put it on the eyes. They were healed. Another time, he made an ointment out of mud and saliva, put it on the eyes. The person could see. It just kind of shows you we don't get to decide exactly how the healing happens. We trust God. He can use a variety of ways to manifest his power and his grace in these situations of physical struggle. We don't presume to know exactly how he's going to heal. Now, if you hear someone put God in a box, like a faithful person doesn't, shouldn't go to the doctor, like, if you believe in prayer, you shouldn't use medicine. Uh, well, that's not biblical, okay? You don't want to put God in a box. You don't want to tell God, oh, God, here is exactly how you're going to heal this person. Wait, he's God, you're not God. Ask for healing and trust him to do the work and use the tools that are available to you because one of those may be the God-ordained tool for the deliverance of your loved one. Now, the third way that God heals which is by far the most common way that God heals, is he, he heals through the body that he designed. He designed our bodies with incredible disease-fighting capabilities. He put immunological systems within you that are incredible at fighting sickness. He built you that way. In fact, I was, <laughs> two weeks ago, I got this blister right here on my heel, nasty looking thing. Um, no, I'm not going to pop a picture of that up on the screens for you. It was pretty gross. Isla, like three days ago, hey, said, said, hey, let me look at that blister, see how it's doing. And she looked at it and said, wow, that's a lot better. 
She wasn't surprised. I wasn't surprised. You have had cuts. You have had abrasions. You have had blisters. And you are not surprised when they get better. Because your body has been designed to self-heal, to self-repair. There is no telling. Like, think about this. There is no telling how many diseases, how many threats from germs and bacteria and viruses your body has fought off within the last year. Most of them, you had no clue that was happening. Your antibodies your immunological system was doing what it was designed to do and you were blissfully unaware. There's a virus that's gone around the last couple of years. You've probably heard of it, but it's done a lot of harm. Hurt a lot of people. Caused a lot of sadness, but it's interesting. 98.3% of the people who got this virus got better. Maybe there was a little help from a vaccine. Maybe there was a little help from a therapeutic, but they got better mainly because their body did what their body does. It fought off the sickness. And in fact, what's interesting is now their body remembers this threat. It's like, okay, I know when this happens again, we're going after it. Just a few fun facts. Every 27 days, (laughs) I love this one, all of the skin cells in your body are replaced. You have entirely new skin than you did a month ago in April, right? Every second, millions of red blood cells are removed and repaired by your circulatory system. Every second, that is happening. So he heals, sometimes directly, we would say miraculously. Sometimes he heals through the medicine of the day. Sometimes he heals through the body that he gave you that he designed for you, the amazing way he engineered the systems that work within your body. Hezekiah's healing, it seems like, involved an element of each of those three. But finally, as disciples of Jesus, as disciples of the great physician, we believe that God heals ultimately and eternally by giving us resurrected bodies. The current version of me that you are looking at is not the final version, thank you Jesus. The current body that you have is not the final body that you will have. You will get a serious upgrade after you experience physical death. We were born into a fallen world. We all have fallen and imperfect bodies. In 1 Corinthians 15, 26, we are told that Christ defeated The greatest enemy of our physical bodies, Christ defeated death. It's the resurrection, right? And so verse 43 there in 1 Corinthians 15, a new glorious body awaits. Verse 42, we're told that an imperishable, no expiration date, an imperishable body awaits us. And I look forward to that, I do final healing, this ultimate healing, this restoration will occur. And it's described in various ways in the Holy Scriptures. One of those is in Revelation 21 verse 4. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. I love this. Death will be no more. If someone mentions death, it'll be like, huh? What's that? Huh? Makes no sense. 
Death will be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore. For the former things, the old things, those have passed away. And I look forward to that ultimate healing. I know so many sisters and brothers who live with chronic pain, either physical or mental or psychological, and I yearn together with them for this ultimate healing, for this new body, for this new brain, this new mind that they will receive. I can't wait for them to get what they long for. So today, as we finish up, Maybe you are on the other side of healing. You prayed, your friends prayed, your church, and you got better. And you, like Hezekiah, his words are recorded by the prophet Isaiah, you, like Hezekiah in Isaiah 38, 16, can say to God, you restored my health and let me live. Not the court physicians, not the fig ointment, you did it. You, God, did that. Maybe you like Hezekiah, and this takes a lot of humility and wisdom and perspective that's hard to come by. Maybe you like Hezekiah can look back on this season of agony, and you can say, you know what, there was a purpose in that. Hezekiah says there in verse 17, surely it was for what? For my benefit that I suffered such anguish. What perspective. But today, whatever your situation, you can do what you were born to do. You can praise God. And the fact that you are here in this place, this morning, gathered with God's people, tells me that's what you've decided you're going to do. Hezekiah, I love these words. He says this in Isaiah 38, 19. He said, the living, anyone with a pulse... He said, the living, they praise you as I am doing today. Would you declare those words with me right now? The living, the living, they praise you as I am doing today. So this morning... Do you need the move of God in some area of your life? I'd be delighted to pray with you. John Collier's down here, uh, one of our shepherds, to pray over you. You can turn in a request that they'll pray over tomorrow night. You can get together with somebody sitting around you right now as we sing here in a moment and just say, hey, would you pray about this, or about what my, my friend is going through, my coworker, my mom, whatever. Just bring the power of Yahweh Rofe into that situation. Maybe you want to connect to this deep healing that comes through Jesus. The spiritual healing that comes through the cross, connecting your life to the Son of God. You could be baptized in the name of Jesus, immersed in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You could do that today. However you need to respond, let's all Offer our voices in praise as we stand together and worship.
Thank you, Gordon. You know what I love the most about the story of Hezekiah? Is when he was told to get his affairs in order, he was going to be passing. He immediately turned toward the wall and prayed. Prayer was not his last resort. Praise God, prayer was his first and immediate action. What a great day to be a Preston Crest. We've already had, as Gordon mentioned, a baptism last night, two this morning already, and we're going to have a third or a fourth following this service. So it's a great day to be at Preston Crest. Visitors, we're so glad you're worshiping with us this morning. Hope you're, you found our service to be uplifting today. Also, just a quick reminder about our evening service at 6 o'clock tonight. Jacob will be continuing our service, our, uh, leading our thoughts on the book of Ephesians and the church's DNA. At this time, let's all uh, read together Jeremiah 17, 14. Let's all read this together, please. Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me, and I shall be saved, for you are my praise. Have a blessed Lord's Day.